just started writing books and giving speeches and doing that. And um, apparently you're amazing at it. Um, in my own mind, I'm pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're awesome. <laughs> you are awesome. Uh, so yeah, I've been doing that for the last decade, you know, doing a little bit of podcasting like you guys and speaking and I've written four books so far. I've got a fifth one in the works. On this week's episode of The Selling Podcast, we are joined with a legend. He is a speaker, author, and entrepreneur. There, He has four books, The Power of Influence, The Power of Storytelling, Two Most Important Days of Your Life, and most, the most recent partnership is The New Leadership. All right, we're recording. With over 50 years and millions of worldwide traveled miles between the two of us, we have tasted defeat and relished in sweet, sweet victory. Looking for inspirational entertainment, motivation, and practical insights to drive your business? Welcome to The Selling Podcast. I absolutely love his Monday morning mantras. And his relevant leadership podcast is pretty much on the top of my podcast list these days. We welcome Ty Bennett. Ty, welcome to The Selling Podcast. Hey, thank you so much for having me. This is fun. Ty, we're almost we, neighbors. It's, it's. I know. We live too close to not know each other. It's criminal that I don't know you. <laughs> well, Ty, we wanted to reach out to a great storyteller because Mike and I were going um, several weeks ago now, and we had spoken about the importance of storytelling. And I realized that I do a very poor job of storytelling in sales. And I won't bore the listeners again with that, <laughs> with the the self-deprecating evidence that that I faced, but I realized that my storytelling needs to improve dramatically, that I have so much to learn. And so I, I've followed you. I love the, your podcast as well, Relevant Leadership. And you had a storyteller on, you were a spectacular storyteller in your own right, and you had another expert on with you. And I was fascinated. And it was, Mike, we have to find a way to get Ty on. And you're so gracious. So I am so curious about proper storytelling in sales. First off, maybe we start off. Why is it important to be a great storyteller in sales? So I personally believe that storytelling is the number one most underrated skill in the sales process. Uh, I think that I mean, there's there's all these sayings that you've probably heard, facts tell, stories sell. Um, but if you look at scientifically what stories actually do, uh, people retain information told within the context of a story 500% better. So your information is remembered. Stories evoke emotion, which causes people to act. You think about why people buy, why people make decisions, why people act. It's emotionally based, right? And so logic needs to be there, but we need to communicate emotionally uh, there was a recent study done at Loma Linda University that showed that when I'm telling a story and you're listening, there's two chemicals that are triggered in your brain. Uh, one is cortisol and one is oxytocin. Cortisol is a stress hormone, but it causes you to focus. It causes you to pay attention. And oxytocin is a trust hormone, which creates a connection. So there's a feeling of trust and uh, you accept the information coming at you. And so, I mean, quickly, if you think about just those things, I could give you more. But if you want your story to, if you want your information to be remembered, to be trusted, to be focused on, to be heard, and to be emotionally moving so that people take action, then stories are your best bet. So that's awesome information. And I really appreciate it. But to Scott's point, I struggle with connecting stories to 
purpose. Is there a recipe that I can follow? For sure. I mean, think about where we can use stories. Um, We sometimes use stories in the context of a sales presentation. There's probably like five main places that you use a story. You might use a story as an opening, right? Just to break the ice, make a connection, to Mm -hmm. share a little bit of who you are, make them laugh, whatever it is. You might use a story as a closing. That might be your wrap up to kind of give that call to action. You might use a story to introduce a point or a concept or a product, right? I might say, let me tell you about this experience and then boom, that introduces it. Or on the flip side, I might use the story to validate it. I might introduce you to my product and then give you a validation story, a testimonial type story of here's someone who used it, here's their experience, you know, that type of thing. And we also use stories all the time in uh, handling objections, right? I mean, the the old concept of feel felt found is in essence telling a story, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's engaging with them around a story. And so I think there's lots of places that we use stories. I think sometimes the misconception is that story becomes your whole presentation and that's not the case. It's one tool within the context of a presentation and and often used multiple ways and in varying ways within a, a sales presentation. That's really good. That helps point out that obviously my listeners have absolutely no cortisol in their in their bloodstream <laughs> when I'm presenting my sales presentation. So I, I mean, I've I, and this see this is where I've struggled so much is I, when I'm writing an email for an example, I'm trying to tell a story throughout the whole email rather than just making a small portion of it. And mind you, my storytelling skills are horrendous. And that's exactly why we've asked you to come on. It's just- Well, I'm- I think that there's there's differences for sure. There's nuances between verbal stories, you know, and written stories. Uh, and so, you know, we could talk about some of the differences there, but I do think that sometimes we're trying to create this huge overarching story. What I do now as a professional speaker, uh, most of the time I'm speaking, I'm speaking for 45 to 60 minutes. It's not one big story. There's probably 25 different little story vignettes within the context of a presentation, but some of them are validating a point. Some of them are my experiences. Some of them might be somebody else's. Some of them uh, introduce a new concept, right? Uh, There's stories that I share in a context of a speech that their main goal is to connect with someone emotionally, make them cry. And then there's stories that their point is to make them laugh, right? And they're used in varying ways for that purpose. So which have you found and when do you use them? First person stories about you. And when do you bring in a third party or a third person and tell it from their perspective? How, how do you make that distinction? That's a great question. So I believe that the most powerful stories are the most personal stories. So as often as I can, I want to share my own stories for a couple of reasons. One, I, there's more emotion that I bring into it because I experienced it, mm-hmm. right? Um, and we're going to, we'll talk about how you tell a story, but foundationally, and I just want to make this point now and we'll come back to it, is you don't retell a story, you relive a story. There's a oh, difference a between those two. When I relive it, my own story, I, it takes me to the emotion there, right? And so it's not fake. It's if I'm reliving it, I feel that emotion. It, I feel what I was experiencing when that happened to me. Uh, so I think it's more powerful that way. Number two, that story can't be told by anyone else, right? There, I could tell a story of George Washington and you could tell the same story and everyone could tell the same story. And as soon as I start telling it, people kind of check out because they've heard that story before. And so I think you lose a little bit of luster in that. And um, 
And so trying to find your own, but even in telling someone else's story, you can personalize it, right? It's your perspective on that story, or it's your observation of that story, or what's the connection that you have to that story. And so as much as you can, I would rather tell a version of a story that is unique to me, because no one else is going to duplicate that. It's, it's fresh, it's new material. So here's the challenge that I have. I'm sorry, Scott, I'm taking over the conversation. No, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled that we finally come up. It's taken two years to come up with you having a challenge <laughs> and I'm loving it. Now, here, all right, here's the, here's the challenge. And this is what I see. And I, I see it in me. I see it in others. When I'm telling a story and it's always focused on me, audiences get the impression of, yeah, you are interesting, but you are not the most interesting person in the room. They are. How do you divert that? Because Scott and I have talked about making the customer the hero of the story and yeah. doing all that. How do you divert it from being so personal that you're excluding everybody else in the room? Oh, I agree with that. So a uh, couple of things. Let's go back to this idea of you don't retell a story, you relive a story. Okay. Uh, conceptually, if that's the case, if I'm going to relive a story, I want to invite you to relive it with me right? And to do that, I need to bring you into the story. So let me give you three specific techniques. These are really like tangible, practical techniques you can use when you're telling a story that are going to do exactly what you just asked, Mike. How do I make my story relevant to you? Right. Uh, why? Because the reality is if you're listening to my story, whether it's conscious or subconscious, part of you is going, why do I care? Like, this is great for you, but you know, <laughs> what does it mean to me? Never so, have one of my stories. Yeah. Never have every single one of his. <laughs> the first, the first thing I would do is create curiosity. Um, and, and it goes back to that idea, right? Nobody cares about your story. Like not even your mom, unless they see how it pertains to them. And to do that, what I like to do is to ask a you-focused question on the front end of a story. A you-focused question means the word you is in the question, right? So Mike, instead of me just saying, Mike, let me tell you my story, I can say, Mike, have you ever had an experience with this? And you go, oh yeah, all the time. It's interesting because, and boom, all of a sudden you're right in my story. So I'm going to tap into your world with a question, and then I'm going to bring you into my world with a story. It makes it more conversational, but then there's relevance for that story to make sense for you. So that's a simple technique on the front end. Once you get into the story, one of the things you can do is place them in the scene. You can do this one of two ways. You can say, imagine being here, or if you had been here, when? I want to like actually place you in the scene because what happens in our mind is we start to co-create the scene around us, right? So as an example, if I were to say, Scott, if you had been sitting in my office with me the first time I ever had to interview somebody, I don't know if you've had this experience before, but I was so nervous, right? I had no idea what to say. I'm sitting behind my desk. My knees are shaking. If I just pause right there, Scott, are you picturing an office starting to like put together? All Absolutely. I had to do is say, if you had been sitting in my office with me, right? And then you're, you're mentally co-creating that scene. It's the same reason that like, Sometimes you read a book and then you go see the movie and you're like, no, that doesn't even make sense. Like, why did they cast Tom Cruise as Jack Reacher? He's too small. Like it, it or some example, because in your mind you had a different picture, right? So I place you in the scene by saying, imagine being here or if you had been here when. That's another technique. The third technique, and I actually just illustrated it. I didn't even realize I did it. But you reinforce relatability throughout the, the story. You reinforce relatability by having a conversational tone in the way that you speak. You say things like, have you ever felt that before? 
just what I mean by that, Scott, in that example, I said, I don't know if you've ever had this experience before or not, but it's like you're standing right here in the story. And for a second, you're going to step out and just touch base. Like, are you with me? Are you? Mm -hmm. But just in very natural conversational cues, if you're in front of somebody who you know their exact situation, then sometimes you can be very specific to how you reinforce that relatability. Right. There might be part of my story where I might go, Mike, isn't that just like what you're dealing with right now? Right. Like I'm going to put it right on you. Um, other times it might just be like, what would you do in that situation? Can you imagine like just little conversational cues? Right. So if you were to take those three techniques, if you were to on the front end, ask a you focus question, tap into their world with a question, then bring them into your world with a story, place them in the scene. Right. Imagine being here if you had been here when and then maybe once or twice just reinforce that relatability, then their ability to relive that story with you changes that the whole experience is different. Awesome. Ty, one thing that I find fascinating, I my sister, I feel is a great storyteller because I feel engaged. And so just okay. the sheer engagement draws me in. And just as you're mentioning that, two things that I realized the difference between her and I, because I would love to be a better storyteller than I am, and I'm not. What she does is she does that. She brings me in. She says, you know, um, can you imagine? And then dot, dot, dot. When I'm sharing a story, I'm saying, you can't even imagine. Hmm. They're two totally different feelings using similar words. Because one, I'm not drawing somebody in and saying, hey, can you imagine? I'm not having them be part of that. Instead, I'm basically essentially just putting them down and saying, you can't even imagine what it was like. Yeah, that statement versus that question, it's the same words, right? I mean, it's just changing the way that it comes across and one's inviting and one is just like talking with someone versus talking at someone. Uh, it, that's a good good awareness, uh, just recognizing that line in particular. You know, it's interesting as I've taught storytelling now, you know, for several years since I wrote my book, The Power of Storytelling, I get two main responses. One, I get people who go, I'm a bad storyteller. This was so eye-opening. And then two, I get people who go, I didn't know I was doing all the things that you just taught us, right? Like certain, like your sister, she would go, oh yeah, I reinforce relatability. Like I didn't know I was doing that, right? That's what that's called. And I should do that more often. And that's a good thing because there's some natural bent to it. Some people are more natural than others. That but the great question. thing about the great thing about learning it is if you learn those skills and you become aware is then you can improve this as a skill set, uh, just like anything else. I, I think you can develop this as a skill, but it takes practice and work. Ty's podcast, the relevant leadership podcast, it, there's a piece on storytelling and it's great. There's so much more outside of that um, on, on the podcast. I, I love it because you continue to break this down. So Listeners, as you hear this, as you're picking up on pieces and saying, oh, wait, I wish he would go into more detail. Um, the Power of Storytelling goes into that detail. And you can also find more at, on Ty's podcast. Mike, how are we doing so far? Pretty good. Uh, this is so fascinating to me. And I, I really like what you're giving, the, the nuts and bolts of storytelling. And it's things, I, I agree completely. It is a skill. It's things you can develop. But you need to be aware of where you are or yeah. where I am. And then how can I polish this? And I love those three steps. The, the curiosity and ask a you focused question. I don't think any sales rep that I've ever worked with does that naturally. 
because your head's no, so full of it. One. Yeah, your head's so full of the information you've been fed, you need to get it out. And so I don't think they do that naturally. And I think just by stopping and asking that question, a you-focused question, and then putting also, them in the scene. It also feels more conversational to me. I've watched yeah. people and I've watched coaches who teach storytelling, teach people to just jump into a story like, it was a cold November night. And that feels so <laughs> weird to me. Like, like you and I can have a conversation. I want to feel natural and normal and and like we're engaged. And that feels comfortable to me, right? It's not theatrical. It's not like I'm putting on a show. I'm just engaging in a, a meaningful conversation, which in my mind, that's what sales is, right? It's having real conversations with real people. And we just, is simple as that sounds that's a skill set that has to be developed it's it's incredibly powerful when you can br- bring people into your story and just, like you said it's sharing emotion not just the actual facts of what happened but bring them along on a mo- an emotional journey uh, that's that's priceless so ty is that is that not needed that it was a cold dark wintry night so I mean, is that are we are we pushing that aside uh the theatrical details, yes. Um, details are important okay. that make things more tangible, that like location, time, amount, things that I can grab onto, right? If you're selling weight loss, you've never heard anybody sell weight loss and say, you know, some people lost some weight. Like you have to put some details to that, right? <laughs> uh, it, because then I, I can touch it, feel it. Like I can go, okay, that, like I get that. But the caveat to that is some people, are a little bit more theatrical and that feels natural. I think it's important for each person to find their voice. So I don't know your sister, but Scott, you just described your sister. It sounds like she Mm -hmm. probably would put more emotion and theater into her story than you would, right? Correct. And if you tried, it would feel uncomfortable, not just for you, but for me as the listener. Because it feels you say if fake. I tried, no, when I have tried. When you have it tried. Absolutely okay. feels <laughs> fake every time. Because I there's something I think we have a strong BS meter in us, right? Like we we feel when it's comfortable or not, when people are comfortable in their own skin. And so we have to find that for us. Uh, I I watch other speakers, there's sometimes that I'm like, they are so good, but that is not my style at all. And I've done that over the years too, where I tried to change my style and I'm like, well, that wasn't me. That did not work. Like it <laughs> and I have to find that. And some people have gone. Ty, you're so calm, but it works well. And I'm like, that's my voice. Like I, I'm not this like get in your face and rah, rah kind of guy, because when I do that, I feel stupid and that comes across to people. And so you just have to find a little bit of that. So my answer to that, Scott, is I, I'm less about the, the extreme theater and the wording of it, but for some people that works. Mike's wheels. And I, I, I wish Mike, we got to figure out how to get these on video because <laughs> the look on your face, like I, Mike, I promised you that Ty would change your life and rock your world. And looking at your face, listeners, I wish you could see Mike's, his eyes are squinted down and he just has this, this look of, huh? Well, I wonder if, huh? I wonder if that it is, it's the greatest thing ever. I love that. I'm, I'm thinking particularly of my brother-in-law. And actually, it's Greg Pesci and NJ Pesci and their podcast. 
they are the consummate storytellers. I mean, their whole life is telling a story and that's what they do. And they draw you in so nicely. Yeah. And so I'm Every just, time. I'm thinking of their, their process and they do it completely. Well, I, I would say unwittingly or unknowingly, that's what they do just natural. But I, I guarantee you there's been a lot of thought that goes into it. <laughs> yeah. But, but I, I'm just thinking of them. I'm thinking of other storytellers and I'm connecting these dots and I'm seeing an absolute pattern and it's in their voice. But the process is exactly the same. And I really, really struggle. And how do you have, I love the fact that you, you can capture it. Let me give you a couple more thoughts just uh, so that you, we come away with kind of uh, a formula, if you will. That's so, what I'm after. <laughs> uh, first, first, my number one rule when it comes to storytelling is this. If it's not necessary to say, it becomes necessary not to say. It's not necessary to say it becomes necessary not to say. Here's the thing. We've all heard people tell a story that should be told in two minutes and they tell it in five and it is painful. Um, I actually had this experience a couple of weeks ago. We were with all of my wife's family and one brother-in-law was starting to tell a story and it was like tangent and like, well, and this person, I don't know, were they there? I like just stuff that doesn't matter. And this other brother-in-law finally said what we were all thinking. He goes, this better be incredible at the end because this is so hard to listen to. And I was like, thank you. Like we all do that. So how do we remedy that? Here's it. We have to treat this like a skill, which means that the stories that you're going to share, especially in like a sales presentation, you should have practiced before. You should rehearse them. You should write them out and script them. You should probably record yourself telling them and go back and listen to it, right? And all of those things are painful and not fun. But so is getting shot down by a client. So is like bombing a, an opportunity in front of a potential client, right? So uh, putting in some of that work to, to fine tune and make that story exactly what it needs to be is important. There's also a formula to every story. And the simple version is this. Every influential story has struggled a solution. It's struggle to solution. Here's how it works. You hook people with the struggle. You help people with the solution. There is something in our bodies and our DNA that we respond to struggle, to conflict, to challenge. It naturally engages us, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, think about the contrast of that. If we were to go to a movie today, if you were to go, like we've seen the previews, this was supposed to be amazing. We all sit down. We've got our drink in one hand, our popcorn in the other. We're excited. But it ends up being about a guy that just merrily skips through life. No ups, no downs. Everything works out. It's just gravy, we would all leave and go, that is the stupidest movie I've ever seen. <laughs> but here's the problem. That's how we tell stories, especially in business. Like think about a business story. Most of them sound the same. We all say, you know what? We're great. And we've always been great. And we'll always be great. And if you work with us, that'd be great. And most people walk away going, great. Like who cares? Because there's nothing real about that, right? I mean, think about it. You exist in business to solve problems. So there's obviously a struggle. Your product solves some kind of problem. There's obviously a struggle. Your service exists for a reason. And so we have to find that and talk about it and engage people around that. Because if they have that struggle, they will beat down your door for the solution. They want it. If they relate to that, that becomes credible. I'll tell you just a quick little story vignette where this became real to me was actually my three-year-old son taught me this example. Uh, I've got five kids. I'm from Utah. And uh, my uh, my kids, my boys, they love me to tell them stories. So years ago, I was telling them Smurf stories. 
don't know if you guys know Smurfs. Basic premise, they're these little blue people that live in a forest. There's a bad guy named Gargamel who almost catches them, then they escape. That is the premise of every Smurf story ever told. And I had made up Smurf stories for like a month, and I was sick of it. I have no idea how else Gargamel could <laughs> lose the Smurfs. Just pet them, kill them, eat them. I don't know what he would do if he actually held on to them. And I came home from a, a trip, and I was tired, and my boys were like, Dad, can we have a Smurf story? And I was like, no. And they're like, Dad, we'll never ask you again, which was a lie. <laughs> and I, I told them the dumbest Smurf story ever told. I said, okay, the Smurfs woke up, and it was Smurfette's birthday, and the baker guy made a cake, and they sing happy birthday, okay, go to bed. And my three-year-old goes, Dad, that's not a story. There's no bad guy. And I said, what? And he goes, without a bad guy, it doesn't count. I need a real story. That's, that's right. incredibly insightful. And I, I just sat there and went, huh. And through my mind all the time, I, as I work with, with salespeople or leaders or speakers talking about storytelling, all the time I have that thought of like, that's not a real story. Tell me a real story. Like be authentic enough to share some of that struggle. Like you think about, I mean, the best stories ever told are when we're real and we share our struggle to solution, right? And I'm, it's not struggle for struggle's sake. We don't want to hear that your life sucks. We want to hear that it did suck and now it's amazing. We want to see the transformational process. And some people will push back and go, okay, yeah, but Ty, I haven't arrived yet. Well, welcome to life. None of us have arrived yet. But if you think about solution as directional, not positional, it changes your thought process. Because if I present a struggle I'm having, I go, okay, here's where I'm at. This is what I'm struggling with, but this is where I'm going. I'm not there yet, but I'm presenting a solution, right? Um, and so somebody who's brand new in the sales process, they can't talk about all the success they've had or anything like that, but they can talk about here's where we are, here's the struggle, and here's our solution, and this is where we're going. It's casting a vision, right? And so uh, that model of struggle solution, I think, is important to understand and use as we share stories. This is now here's the challenge that I've got again <laughs> in in 10 minutes. I'm presenting to about 50 or 60 people. Okay. Don't try and change your whole presentation right now on the fly. <laughs> you read my mind. My, my, Mike's personality though is he's going to try. So Ty, say that one more time. Mike, you're, don't you're prepared, do man. You're just going to knock it out of the park. And uh, okay. Slowly over time, you know, add some stories. But that's the challenge that I see a lot of sales reps getting into, right? They, we pump your head full of knowledge. And as soon as you get in front of a customer, the first thing you want to do is spew all the information. So I have to resist okay, so this. Yeah, for sure. I mean, here's what I would tell you, though, is or a new sales rep is think about what you're presenting, some of the points that you're presenting. And what's a story that you can use? What's a, a great client testimonial story? Like if one comes to mind, fine tune that story and just add that in just as a validation piece. Right. It doesn't have to be this huge change to your presentation or anything like that. But where can you add a story that brings it to life a little bit more? Mike, a couple of my key takeaways. I Looking at this, have you ever had an experience like? That's one piece that I haven't put into my stories that I know that I'm just going to, as I go back here in 10 minutes, I'm going to rewrite my story because I know that my struggle in my story isn't big enough. And it is it is a client's story. It needs to be bigger. That It's just, Ty, this is brilliant. And the funny thing is, this is information you provided 10 years ago, yet I guess that's how slow Mike and I are, that we're finally now coming around to, oh, 
there's power in storytelling. It's like Ty's just like, yeah, I wrote that book like almost a decade ago. No, not quite that long. <laughs> the, but um, but for me, it, the reality is this was a learning process for me in the sales process. My background is as an entrepreneur as well. And when I figured out storytelling was crucial and then worked on it, as simple as this sounds, as I got better at it, our business got better. And it became more and more of a skill set. I feel like I was pretty natural at it, but I've definitely developed it more as I've understood it and now you know, learning to teach it and that kind of thing. So uh, it's I share it with a lot of passion because it changed everything for me in terms of my career from a sales process to a speaking process to a coaching process. Uh, it's something that I talk about every day and use every day, and it's it's been a huge benefit. So can we invite you back for another episode? Because sure. I've got yeah, so many more questions. I'm, well, Mike, you have questions, but we haven't even gotten into what one of my favorite pieces that Ty does. He's all about leadership and sales. And having done leadership training and development and doing sales, I love those combinations. And Ty does a masterful job being able to talk about, hey, as a salesperson, you need to be an awesome leader. And Ty dives really hard into that. And it's fascinating. To, to, to hear what he's saying and to have him as a thought leader on this topic. Yeah, that's, I'd really like to have you back, Ty. Okay, well, happy to do it. I, uh, I was told before we started that you may not invite me back if I didn't do a good job. So I'm glad <laughs> that I uh, did a good enough job for at least Mike to want me back. We won't invite Scott, but we'll invite you okay. back. <laughs> you might edit out that part. That's okay. I knew you were going to be awesome and you absolutely were. Once again, thanks so much for joining us here on The Selling Podcast. We really appreciate it. Listeners, I'll have all the links in the description below. You need to follow The Monday Morning Mantra. It's a great pick-me-up every Monday. It's great. Listen to The Relevant Leadership Podcast. It is so good. Well, we better end on that note, Mike. Go eat some jelly beans and enjoy your day. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks, Ty. Appreciate we'll see it. you. Bye. Bye-bye. Oh, well, I literally wasn't going to do anything between 5.50 and 6.40 in the morning anyway. So it works out just fine. That's the only time I get to work out right there. So, (laughs) But hey, you don't get this body by by working out. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You get it by eating the jelly beans on the back show. (laughs) Priorities, man.